Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. All right. You turn in your Bible, please, to uh, Psalm 22, returning again to this wonderful psalm. This will be the last message on Psalm 22. It's appropriate. End of the year. So let's uh, all pray. Father, thank you so much, Lord, for being a God who loves us so much that you sent your only son, Lord, that uh, you sacrificed him. It pleased you to bruise him so that we could come into your home. We could be in your family. Enjoy the warmth, the little bit that we're experiencing here tonight. We could enjoy that magnified in heaven forever all because of what your son did on the cross. Help us as tonight, as we see more of what he did in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 22, we're going to be finishing up here, so we're going to look at the last part here from verses 21 to 31. Psalm 22, where we read, Save me from the lion's mouth, for thou hast heard me from the horns of the unicorns. I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the congregation will I praise thee. Ye that fear the Lord, praise him, all ye the seed of Jacob, glorify him, and fear him, all ye the seed of Israel. For he hath not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, neither hath he hid his face from him. But when he cried unto him, he heard, My praise shall be of thee in the great congregation. I will pay my vows before them that fear him. The meek shall eat and be satisfied. They shall praise the Lord that seek him. Your heart shall live forever." All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn unto the Lord, and all the kindreds of the nations shall worship before thee. For the kingdom is the Lord's, and he's the governor among the nations. But all they that be fat upon earth shall eat and worship. All they that go down the dust shall bow before him, and none can keep alive his own soul. A seed shall serve him. It shall be accounted to the Lord for a generation. They shall come, shall declare his righteousness unto a people that shall be born, that he hath done this. Okay, so now, so far in Psalm 22, we've seen how all of our sins were loaded on the Lord Jesus on the cross. And we studied how what he did there was a work. It was a hard work. It was a great work. It was the work of our atonement. And that was primarily a work of endurance. In verse 1, he endured being forsaken by God. In verse 2, he endured having his prayers not heard. In verse 6, he endured becoming like a worm and no man. In verse 7 through 8, he endured being laughed at and mocked. In verses 12 and 16, he endured being surrounded by his enemies. And in verse 16, he endured having his hands and his feet pierced. 
If there was any question about whether the lion at his hands and feet, which is the literal translation of verse 16, if there was any question about how that lion was acting at his hands and his feet, if there was any question whether that lion was acting like a harmless kitten, verse 21 answers that. Save me from the lion's mouth. So here he is now. He's on the brink of death. And from this last call for help, he has this great deliverance. And he announces it. He says in verse 21, almost as a, as a great relief, he says, thou hast heard me. You heard me. And with those words, he knows that he's being delivered. Just those simple words, thou hast heard me. It expresses it all. He's been delivered from the lion's mouth. And all has changed. And from this point on, there's no more cries for help. There's no more cries for his trouble. There's no more pouring out his heart for his own woes because he knows God has heard him, and that's it. And this is what happens to any person who is delivered from hell. They know that God has heard their prayer. And a person is saved from hell because God has heard their prayer. But for a sinful person, there's only one prayer that God hears, and it's the start. It's got to start with, I am a sinner. That's the only prayer that God hears. It's got to start with those words. And this was so clearly put forward by the Lord Jesus when he spoke a parable in Luke 18, 9, Luke 18, 9, when he said, he spoke this parable unto certain which trusted themselves that they were righteous and despised others. He said, two men went up into the temple to pray. The one a Pharisee, the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I'm not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as a publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. The Lord said, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalts himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Two men, all of humanity, fall into these, these categories. Two men, two prayers, two self-images, two destinies. Only two groups. Every person falls into, this, into one of the two. Two men, Pharisee and a publican. Two prayers, I thank thee that I'm not a sinner, and God be merciful to me a sinner. And two results of those prayers. One's heard, one's not heard. It reminds me of a, a preacher gave an elegant prayer at uh, Park Street Church, big famous church in Boston, at Boston Commons. And the next day was a very flowery prayer. The next day in the Boston Herald, the editorial was written, and it said, that was the most beautiful prayer ever prayed to a congregation. So here he is. It says he prayed thus with himself. It never went higher than himself. Two self-images, righteous, self-righteous, and a sinner. Not just any sinner, not the garden variety sinner, but the dirty rotten type, the dirty rotten sinner. Two self-images, two results of the prayer, heard and not heard, and two destinies, justified and not. That's it. And a prayer that is not heard and a prayer that is heard. Prayer that's not heard, not saved. A prayer that's heard, saved. And every person falls into these two categories of either having their prayer heard or not heard and it heard. And it all depends on how the prayer starts. I'm a righteous person, can't hear you, God says. Or 
I'm a sinner. God says, I'm all open to you. It all depends on that. Now, he's prayed. His prayer, of course, he doesn't have any sins to confess, but he's calling out to God. He's finishing a work. He knows his prayer's been heard. And now that his prayer's been answered, his whole focus changes. And it's that it's no longer himself. But now, in verse 22, he says, oh, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. So up until this point, he's been praying for his own personal problems. But now that he's been heard, he no longer is concerned about himself. Now he's concerned for his brethren. And we can see the Lord filled with this concern as if he's saying at this point, it's my brethren, it's my brethren. It's my brethren who are in need. It's my brethren who need God. The construct, the Hebrew construct of these verses 21 and 22, where it says, thou hast heard me, it could be very well put, thou hast heard me, so therefore I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In other words, it's because he was heard that he determined at that point that God's name was gonna be declared to his brethren. I mean, this is what happened to me, you know, before God heard my prayer, before I was saved, I was concerned all about myself and my life and more filled with guilt and shame and sadness weighing me down. And then that day in September of 1970, sitting in the office of Pastor Ray Hahn at Emmanuel Baptist Church in Pacific Beach, and he told me that I needed to pray to God and that I needed to be saved from my sins, and my prayer should start off with, I'm a sinner, which for me was not a problem. And at the end of that, that I would ask God into my heart, and he would save me from my sins. And I prayed that prayer, and that whole feeling of the shame and the guilt and the sadness, it just vanished, never came back. been 48 years. I'll tell you if it comes back next year, but so far it hasn't. (laughs) And then verse 22 happened to me with the prayers, my brethren, my brethren, my brethren, my Jewish brethren, From the moment I was saved, I knew that the name of God was Jesus Christ. And I knew that the Lord Jesus Christ was God. And that name, that name of Jesus, that name of Jesus Christ, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ was the last name that my Jewish brethren wanted to hear and declared. But as soon as I was saved, verse 22 became a commitment for me. I will declare thy name unto my brethren. Some choose to call him Yeshua. Fine, God bless them. But for me, my declaration is his name is Jesus because the subject of the New Testament is about Jesus and he was born of a virgin in the town of Bethlehem. He lived in Nazareth and he died on a cross in Jerusalem. Jesus is his name and that was the name that was given in Matthew one twenty one. She shall bring forth a son. Thou shalt call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. And in Acts 4.12, neither is there salvation in any other for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby he must be saved. And Jesus is the name that was given from heaven. I'm not against Yeshua, if you call him Yeshua. If you talk to an Israeli, say Yeshua. But under that name of Jesus, he brings many sons to glory. Under that name, he calls them his brethren in Hebrews 2.9, Hebrews 2.9. But we see Jesus, who is made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. For it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of our salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he that sanctified and they who are sanctified are all one for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the congregation, in the midst of the church will I sing praise. So here he is. He's in the midst of the congregation. This is what this verse is quoting in Hebrews 2, 9, 2, 13. 
2, 9 passage. He's in the midst of the congregation in verse 22, and he's determined to declare his name unto his brethren. It's not just a secret for him. He's, he's even more public. He's in the midst, right in the middle of the congregation. I'm going to praise you. It reminds me of the time when my, 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 my sister-in-law, Marsha Cohen, died. And at the synagogue, the practice is that only family members can speak. Well, I was a family member. I was the in-law, but I was still a family member. And so the cantor allowed me to speak from the podium. And I looked out over this whole congregation of these Jewish people in the synagogue, and I said, will I or will I not? <laughs> and then, it's like a marriage. And then I said, I will. And so I thought, I win when I say the name Jesus. That's all. I win when I say the name Jesus. I don't have to sit here and go, do you know the plan of salvation? I don't have to do that because his name is so powerful. So what happened is that they got up there and said, Marcia and I agreed on many things except for one thing, and that was Jesus. Well, you could have, I don't know, you could have heard a lot of things at that point. But you know what I said? I won. That was it. I won. Afterwards, the cantor was so angry with me, and he came up to me, and, and he was just, just he, he was angry. And so I wanted to break the ice a little bit, you know, so I said, cantor, he says yes, and I said, I said, you know, most cantors have to study all their lives to become a cantor. I was just born one. <laughs> but... <laughs> He says, I will declare thy name in the midst of the congregation. Reminds me of another time in, in 2009 when, as many of you know, I was selected to be the whistleblower of the year. I may have told you this. And I was asked to speak at the annual meeting of the Lawyers for Taxpayers Against Fraud in Washington, D.C., the annual meeting. The people who asked me to speak, they knew me, so they said, listen, we have to tell you something. You are not the keynote speaker, they told me. Okay. <laughs> You see that man over there? That's Patrick, Senator Patrick Leahy. He's the keynote speaker. He's going to be sitting at your table, but he's the chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee, and he's the keynote speaker. So you have three minutes, they told me, three minutes. Well, I had no idea what I was going to say. I didn't know if it was going to be three minutes or what. And so, you know, we walked around Washington, D.C. for the day. We're going to the monuments, things like that, and I'm sort of in a different world saying, what am I going to say? What am I and this made my wife very nervous. And so she sat down. She wrote my message. She said, here's your message. You just get up there and say this. And it was all about how good it is to be an American and have a voice against fraud. And so I said, okay. And I put her speech in my pocket. And we spent the rest of the day. And I was in a different world around Washington, D.C., wondering what I was going to say. And she knew that I hadn't decided what to say. So she said, listen, I want to make something very clear to you. She says, we're sitting at the head table with Senator Leahy. She says, but I have a room key. And she said, if you start to fall flat on your face, I'm getting up and walking out, she said to me. <laughs> well, I didn't know what to say, you know, I was kind of there. And, all, you know, one lawyer's getting up, another lawyer's getting up, and, you know, this lawyer's getting up, and he introduced himself as Mr. Goldstein. And another lawyer gets up, he's Mr. Levi. Another one gets up, Mr. Bernstein, Mr. Gutterwitz, Mr. Marks. And I realized I'm in the midst of the congregation. <laughs> my brethren. And it's a congregation of my Jewish brethren. So I sat there and I said to myself, will I or will I not? And I thought to myself, these Jewish people will never go into a church, I guarantee you, unless it's a funeral. They will never go into a church to hear a message of salvation. So I closed my eyes at that table and I opened it and I said to myself, some call this a banquet hall at the Washington, D.C. Hilton, but God and I call it a church. And I looked at the podium up there and I said, some call that a podium, but I call it a pulpit. 
And then I thought of myself and I said, some call me a speaker, but God and I call me a preacher. And at that moment, it was just as though I could hear God say to me, that's right, preach, son, preach. Because you're in the midst of the congregation of your brethren. So I got to the podium and I tried to break the ice a little bit. So I said, you know, I was a little nervous. I'm a little nervous tonight. I was a little nervous tonight I said, because I thought I was going to be the only Jewish person here in this meeting. But I was surprised to see that there are a few others, too. They were all Jewish. And, and then I went on and I said, actually, I got my inspiration to be a whistleblower from a Jewish person, another Jewish person, a very special Jewish person, a Jewish woman a very special, brave Jewish woman who had a chance, a once-in-a-lifetime chance to blow the whistle and save the Jewish people. And she was so brave because she was 100% separated from her Jewish people. She was surrounded by non-Jewish people in a very heathen environment. She risked her life to save the Jewish people. She risked her life to blow the whistle. She risked her life to save the Jewish people. And I was surprised at that point. Nobody knew who I was talking about. I could see they were thinking, is it gold in my ear? So, and I said, but she was believed. And the mastermind who wanted to kill all the Jewish people to be, he was killed, and his name was Haman. Oh, then they all started with the noisemakers, you know, and they they were thrilled, you know. But then I thought, well, I haven't won yet. So then I thought, actually, there was another greater Jewish person who gave me the inspiration for being a whistleblower, and that Jewish person also risked his life to blow the whistle and save the Jewish people. But unlike Esther, that greater Jewish people, he actually did die in the process of saving the Jewish people from destruction. And that destruction was the eternal destruction of hell. And that greater Jewish person who blew the whistle was the Lord Jesus Christ. I said, hmm. they didn't clap. <laughs> no, they didn't clap. And when I said that, it was, oh, I can't even tell you the looks. But, but it was, again, I said to myself, I won. I won. And as I sat down, I leaned over to my wife, said, how long did I speak? She said, 23 minutes. And uh, everybody's face looked like shock and anger. But I could hear God say, at ease, soldier. You did what you could because you did Psalm twenty-two, twenty-two. I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the congregation will I praise thee. Now, the Lord now turns and he addresses three groups of people at this point. Verse 23, he says, you that fear the Lord, group one, praise him. All ye the seed of Jacob, group two, glorify him and fear him, all ye the seed of Israel, group three. So the first group is a group that's described as they fear the Lord. This is the group that understands the power of the Lord. They know how the Lord with his mighty power destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah with rain, with fire and brimstone. And to this group, he says to them, you praise the Lord. Praise that God, that great God of might, who is not destroyed, but instead has opened up the doors of salvation to deliver from our sins. Praise him, praise him to bring about this great creation which he did in Genesis 1 and 2 and 3, this great creation that was all to benefit man. And you could put that after almost every verse in Genesis 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth to benefit man. And the earth was without form, and everything is to benefit man, to benefit man. Praise him. Praise him for the beauty of his care in sending the rain to water the earth and making food to come. 
But praise starts with simple things, like thanking God for the simple things, like thanking God for food. Reminds me of the orphanage in Tecate, where there are 35 orphans are, uh, with Dr. Trejo and her husband, Masiel. And the police just come any time of night or day, and they drop these kids off at the, the doorstep, and, but they take them in, and they lovingly teach them about the Lord Jesus Christ. And they have dogs. They have little dogs, chickens. They have a lot of animals. And once they had them guests over there, there were some guests who came. We were not believers, and they were having lunch with the children. And one of the children there noticed that the guest just started eating, didn't thank God. So the little child says to Dr. Trehu, why are they eating like my dog does, not thanking God for the food? So the first call of the Lord Jesus is to those who know the power of God is to thank and praise him. And then he addresses the seed of Jacob, The Jewish people, he calls on them to glorify God. Of all the people who should glorify God, it's the Jewish people because so many times they were on the brink of annihilation. And Jehovah Jesus steps in and he saved them from destruction. And so King David, in his Psalms, he was teaching the Jewish people in his famous many a time Psalm. In in Psalm 129, Psalm 129, one through five, many a time have they afflicted me from my youth. May Israel now say, many a time have they afflicted me from my youth, yet have they not prevailed against me, and so forth. The plowers plowed against my back, and let those many a time, he's saying, let those many a time today in Psalm 22, let those many a time include Egypt and Babylon and Persia and Russia and Nazi Germany and the Palestinians and the Arabs and so forth. Many a time have the enemies of the Jewish people licked their chops and said in Psalm 83.3, 3, Psalm 83.3, 3, they have taken crafty counsel against thy people and consulted against thy hidden ones. They have said, come and let us cut them off from being a nation that the name of Israel may be no more in remembrance for they have consulted together with one consent. They are confederate against thee. And so every time when they thought that now it is the final solution, they're gonna destroy the Jewish people, God saved them. And so therefore, David says to them, would you please say, let in, in Psalm 118.2, Psalm 118.2, let Israel now say that his mercy endureth forever. Let the house of Aaron now say that his mercy endureth forever. Let them now that fear the Lord say that his mercy endureth forever. Oh, that the earth would hear the Jewish people glorify God and say his mercy endured forever and the many a time we were gonna be destroyed, but he saved us. And so he calls on them, seed of Jacob, to praise him. And then he says, fear him, fear him, all ye the seed of Israel. Now, he has just made a transition from going calling people Jacob to calling them Israel. And this is a very important transmission because in that transition, God is reminding them, the Jewish people, of the great change that happened to Jacob in that monumental chapter for them in chapter 32, Genesis 32. When the headstrong Jacob was broken, actually his hip was put out of joint, and the wrestler against God became a clinger to God, and in Genesis thirty-two twenty-six, his name was changed. Genesis thirty-two twenty-six, he said, "Let me go, for the day breaketh." And he said, "I will not let thee go, except thou bless me." Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. 
You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendship with God Fellowship and Tom Cantor would like to invite you to our Seder message and traditional Passover dinner on Sunday, April 14th from 4.30 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. Come join us for a special night of music, food, and biblical perspective on the Passover Seder. Experience this event in our brand new venue, The Vine, located near the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. The cost of this event is $25 per person, and the last day to sign up is Friday, April 12th. For more information, please call 619-599-1104. That's 619-599-1104 or visit us at creationbookstore.com That's creationbookstore.com